Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. I mean, this is our first one. So do you want to do the intro? Do I do the intro? How do I, I guess we can say this is a tease. This this is a, a tease and it's a preview of something exciting to come. Yeah, apparently we've got to hit it really hard in the intro. We've got to splurge it. We've got to give all our crown jewels up front. In fact, where is your tiara, Kenzie? <laughs> or where is my loo roll? Did you see Meghan Markle? Do you say loo roll in America or is it toilet roll? Um, I love loo roll. Uh, we do call it toilet paper in the States. <laughs> well, a lot of people in Britain thought it looked like Meghan in New York while she was talking about mental well-being looked like she was modeling a toilet paper roll. I'm sorry, that's just how it went down over here. Uh, I apologize. I know there's more important things going on at the moment, but. You were the first person that I saw say that. And then I can, now I cannot unsee it. I cannot unsee it. Um, I Were you surprised by, were you surprised by the, the presence that they insisted on having the second time around? Or did you expect the, you know, the big, the big SUVs, the seven cars? I mean, like they looked like, you know, a presidential status with everything that came with them in New York. Well, it was, the, the timing was jarring. It is not Meghan and Harry's fault that all hell broke loose in the Middle East. Mm. But it just seemed like yesterday's news. And to be honest, they weren't so much yesterday's news as just like a really small column in the middle of the newspapers because of everything else that was going on in the world. And and the security, when you think what's going down in the Middle East, just kind of looked crazy. It looked self-indulgent. Now, uh, that's not their fault. That's about timing. Um, but sometimes I think we have to respond to what's going on. And given they'd had forewarning, a couple of days warning, it was Tuesday night, their big gig in New York. They might have paired some of that back. That was my feeling. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I guess we did skip over the fact that you and I love each other. We're dear friends. And we've decided that we want to work together more often and talk together more often and catch up. Um, so we're, I don't really do ha have much of a presence on YouTube. Uh, and I'm excited to have a presence on YouTube live with you a weekly. We're going to talk about all things royal and it's called on um, the edge of royalty with kinsey and dr tessa if you would like to follow us on youtube um we see your comments we see your opinions and now you can share them with us and in some cases live and uh, we're really excited to to do this together and to create a community and to communicate with our audience more that's right often i feel we've talked before on several networks uh, predominantly here in Britain and there's me and between me and you is normally predominantly a man shouting at us and trying to kind of get us to clash and hate hates the big thing as everyone knows and I'm like why don't we just cut out the middleman and the funny thing is I want to talk about the king and Israel and, and leadership and the role of royals uh, in war because the family it's seen a, it's seen a lot of war and just as I was typing that to you, hey, let's talk about this in our, in our new YouTube, I get a request in from a channel here in Britain. And I'm like, to hell with you. I'm going to talk to my mate Kinsey about that. I'm giving my exclusive to Kinsey. 
I love that. Um, you know, were you at all concerned when a couple of days passed and we hadn't had a response from the royal family about what was happening in Israel? Because I was communicating with some other royal commentators about what could be going on. Could they be strategizing behind the scenes? Could this have anything to do with the fact that Queen Elizabeth never visited Israel? You know, what was your thought process throughout that that time period that we didn't hear from them? I think the gift of having the royal family, and there are some downsides, let's be frank, but the gift is they have the long view. This is a family who has personally lost at the hands of terrorists. Prince Charles, as he was then, his mentor, his great uncle, Lord Louis Mountbatten, I think he was an earl by the time he died, actually, in 1979, taken out by an IRA terrorist. Three others died in the boat that day, 14-year-old grandson Nicholas included. When Charles goes down the aisle two years later, he's still hugely impacted by the loss of this really significant player. And it was no less for the Queen, by the way, because, of course, he was effectively in loco parentis for Philip, Louis Mountbatten. We know that you know Philip came from this really chopped up childhood and it was Uncle Louis in Britain that looked after Philip and he was wiped out by terrorists. We can't put that in any other way. IRA terrorists who were also letting off bombs at Conservative Party conferences, who were bombing in pubs in Birmingham, they were doing their worst. It is the same royal family some 30 plus years later that shake hands with the political wing of that terror organization. It is the queen who is the first queen to go and, and offers to speak at Dublin Castle after the peace process, after Good Friday in 2011. She shakes hands two years later in her jubilee year with Martin McGuinness, one-time terrorist, and then a politician. So they know, sorry to give you that, but I think it's so important. They know that in the heat of the moment, payback, I grew up as a kid. You couldn't hear what Martin McGuinness and Jerry Adam were saying on the telly because their sound was blanked out. You know, we lived in this, this world where we were scared of terrorism. I remember 9-11 happening and people saying it wouldn't have happened in Britain because of the level of security at our airports. That was our reality growing up in the 70s and 80s. At the same time, so, 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 I, so they know that you, you're going to have the payback. You're going to have the retribution. Blood spilt, more blood is spilt people, in the words of your president, carte blanche. The royal family also know, in the end, you've got to knuckle down and make peace with your enemy, or there will never be peace. However heinous, look at the heinous hands that the late queen had to shake. And in the end, when she died, we applauded her for it. So I think the pause, you might want to cut some of that ramble, by the way, so early on in our YouTube. Oh, I love it. You're great. I love it. So, so smart. Uh, but I think they are pausing because they know there is a far longer game to play. Rishi Sunak, Biden, they will be tomorrow's news when the royal family is still in situ as Britain's institution of state. So he speaks, You, because you tell me how it went, must, must be news now in America. Charles spoke to the president of Israel on the telephone. I heard that he talked to the Israeli president and he referred to his deep shock about the barbaric acts of terrorism. So well, the king referred to the acts of terrorism. Now, well, this is translated from Hebrew. My the one I'm looking at is translated from Hebrew. So maybe I don't have such aggressive language, but I like yours better. <laughs> well, there we go. You, there we have the Kinsey, you know, uh, the America first allies of Israel. You're right there with the Hebrew. I'm totally impressed with that. 
but the um but the, the king there using that word terrorism and, and it may surprise um any american viewers in britain there's been this huge kind of controversy about referring to hamas as terrorists the bbc is this international impartial broadcaster so they prefer people to listen to the news and make that draw their own conclusions so they don't refer to them as terrorists but militants but i noticed that yes the king refers to acts of terrorism i think the bbc has gone as far as that and to to concede their acts of terrorism for goodness sake um but the i thought what was interesting was again william your right goes further because charles has acts of terrorism but william and kate in their statement refer to the horrors by hamas terrorists so they do pin the terrorist label on hamas and that might seem a no-brainer but right. it, it is it is a side debate that's going on here in britain about the way in which we refer to hamas well i woke up to the news of of harry and megan actually responding too so it's interesting that it does feel like it happened in a way that is conducive with protocol the prime minister the king Prince William and Catherine, and then Harry and Meghan. So it did feel like that unfolded appropriately. You know, Harry and Meghan say that they're working with some organizations to help the people of Israel. How important is that for Harry right now, when we are a month away from the crown, uh, two months away likely from the crown's part two, where they talk about the Nazi costume that he wears for Halloween that's going to come off as anti-Semitic no matter how you play it. And right now it does feel like, you know, the Jewish people are under attack. Do you think he needs to act more so than what he's doing now in preparation for something that could introduce an entire new generation to a really unsavory scandal? Well, it's interesting that you peg onto that. I was still... I, I, um, the Harry and Meghan statement comes after Kate and Williams, which was quite long, their statement. So before we go to Harry, because remember, William and Kate are also implicated in that Nazi costume scandal. We know that from I, Harry's book, Spare. I in person, and I don't think anybody bought that. Did you, when you read that from Spare, did you go, yeah? I mean, if somebody told me to jump off a cliff, I'm not jumping off a cliff. I think it's a bad idea. I don't know. He, he's a kind of young guy, Harry. He's, he, he, he lacked a mother. He clearly really looked up to Kate. He always wanted Kate to like him. It's his big brother. They've got his back. They find it funny. It's the kind of public schoolboy fancy dress humor. Hey, let's go with... Uh, I understood why he wanted to portion some of the blame. You know, uh, uh, that, that idea that William's always using Harry as the fall guy. But that also has to mean that as his guide and mentor, William occasionally has to also come under flack. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you think it, that, that that's enough? That maybe that's true. I think there might be a grain of truth in that. But as always, it's their truth versus <laughs> their truth. <laughs> Two sets of truth. It's so confusing. Right? But just to go back to the, if we can, we just quickly go back to um, the, the the Wales's comments because in the next, I read it in a series of tweets. You know how you do, it, and then went to verify it. But they 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 refer to the horrors of the mass terrorists. But in the next paragraph they talk of whole, uh, the, the, their, all their thoughts for the victims and the families and friends of all Israelis and Palestinians I was very struck by the words all Israelis and Palestinians thinking of all of them well on both sides 
there are some unsavory elements, but Kate and William are going no holes barred. It's love, not war. In the end, that is what will bring peace. And what we're going to see unfold next should be very, very ugly from the other side of the lens. So at the moment, the sympathy sits with Israel, with the appalling massacre. But at the moment, we also have 2.3 million people who potentially could be starved out of existence. They have no energy, no food. So we have to bear in mind that those statements that Harry and William and Charles make have to work as an umbrella. It's not a clear-cut war, Russia versus Ukraine. It's not so simple as that. It's, it's hugely complicated. Even if prime ministers and presidents want to box it up and put a bow on it right now and say, you know, here's the Israeli flag standing by our men flying out uh, to Tel Aviv. But actually, the king and the royal family know situations change. You've got to be able to slightly float above the immediate knee-jerk reactions. When you made a, you know, I was surprised here in the States, immediately it was good guy versus bad guy. And these were the bad guys and these were the good guys. And I, as somebody that has worked in news and questions everything in news, I was kind of shocked that everybody was on the same side, that everybody's tone was uh, was the same. Um, and that was that this is terrorism and that we need to side with Israel uh, and I think I, I should say I was pleasantly surprised because that's how I felt. I felt I was I was horrified for the Israeli people. However, I just watched you talk. I believe it was on talk TV where you were talking about how you guys cannot pull back aid to anybody in Palestine. Yeah. You've got to you've got to be concerned with the bigger picture. And that's that Hamas can come in and say, look, look, they're starving us. Look what they're doing. And um, I, just, I, you know, for the first time, I'm sitting back thinking, well, I mean, she's making a really great point. These are very tough decisions that people are having to make. And like William and Catherine. Yeah, it's not black and white. Like William and Catherine's statement, people are hurting on both sides. I, you know, I, I do feel like, um, of course, you 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 look at these headlines and 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 babies and children and and that's just so absolutely horrible. But as William and Catherine said, you want all innocent people to be given relief at this point in time. And remember, they also know because of the history of their family. For peace to happen, people in the end have to put down their guns, put down their rockets. Peace doesn't come from invading a, a tiny landmass with two million people. Peace comes when you do the unpalatable and sit down with your enemy. Israel isn't, isn't ready for that at the moment, but eventually that point will have to be reached. And, and the royal family's long view, because they're not at the front line of politics, because they're not voted in, this is one of their gifts. And they can wear that narrative honorably, even though they're not uh, Jewish or, or Muslim, they're not Israeli or Palestinian, because they have lost at the hands of terrorists, and they've gone beyond the pain to find the peace. And that is where everyone has to reach. And it's one of those times where I'm behind the king and behind the royal family, where I see absolutely their force for good. And I think William and, and I was going to say William and Meghan, I've always got in my head, William and Meghan, you know, I know that sounds ridiculous, Kinsey, but if you had to pick on a desert island out of the four, which two would you take? I hate that. I hate that question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, Freudian slip. But I think Meghan and, and, and Harry know that as well. And they're fools if they don't. 
they're fools if they pick a side. They got to, they, you know, immediately you've got to go in behind America's ally. They're in America, but wow. the, the news that's unfolding, we don't know what's going to happen next this week, right. next week. Right, right. And now a word from our sponsor. Can we go back to the crown? Can I ask you how much you think that the crown's scripts will have been updated by Harry's book, Spare? I don't. Or modified. I feel like from what I've seen in the past, because remember the Duchess of York offered to help producers of the crown. She reached out to them, said, I'd love to give you input. They rejected her. I feel like producers of the crown have a have their own unique way of telling the story and they don't like royal influence they don't like somebody inserting their personal narrative so i actually don't think necessarily that we'll see a lot of harry's book additionally remember harry said he did not want to be involved in the crown he had said i think maybe 3 or 4 years ago maybe he would maybe it was to angela levin um, he'd said that who blocked me on social media. Um, maybe he's just going there. How much do you think Harry regrets ever talking to Angela Levin? <laughs> he made that woman seriously rich, you know, and then she turned around and just <laughs> cut him up. Yeah. Why and did she I, block you? I mean, it goes without saying she doesn't like me, but why on earth did she block you? I have no clue because I've been nothing but nice, nice to her. Um, but, you know, I do think he said to her that he was going to make sure that the crown didn't get to William and Harry. But we saw in season four them as boys. And we're going to see we know we at least know in this final season um, that William and Catherine fall in love. We get to see that. And then um, there were photos taken on the set of the Nazi costume scandal. So we do believe we're going to see that. Um, and so obviously he has no sway when it comes to the crown, despite the fact that Netflix are his employers too. He's produced Heart of Invictus. He produced um, the, the Harry and Meghan documentary. And then there was that other documentary that no one talks about. Uh, but I, I don't think that royals have a lot of say ultimately. I mean, maybe Diana did Beyond the Grave solely with Andrew Morton's book. And I do believe they consulted Andrew Morton on the seasons where they delve into that. Um, but I don't think that Prince Harry's book will will have a lot of influence on the crown. I find that fascinating. Well, we do know, talking of Diana Beyond the Grave, her ghost pops up. Have, you, have you heard this? Yes. That she's yes, she's going to be spooking a tip Charles? I mean... I just can't wrap my head around who thought this was a good idea because yeah, there's a, a a play and I'm spacing on the name, but there's a play that I that was turned into a series about the death of the queen and or not a series. It was turned into a movie and it's about the death of a queen. And Diana does show up as a ghost in that, too. Um, I It was it's a really good play, um, but it's. I, I, it's interesting in like a theatrical form in a theatrical form it, it, it things are supposed to be kind of big and over the top but the crown especially if you loved season one and two was so sophisticated so glamorous just just so i don't know glossy this kind of veers on the cheesy level right i mean this veers in a in a strange space you know why because we've lived it. 
Yeah. We have lived that past. Whereas before it was like time travel, it was like watching a period piece. It was almost not real. You and me, we couldn't remember the queen as a pretty young thing because we weren't alive. We weren't even a twinkle in our daddy's eye. Daddy wasn't even hardly born. But my mom, even my mom's generation, my mom met the queen when she was like in 1950 something with a little headscarf. She was at a horse farm. Mom was buying chickens in a a horse farm in Kent and what she was doing. And there was the queen. My mom was like, she looked really ordinary, said mom. She had like a mac on and, you know, but you know, the the, the queen always did a good headscarf, didn't she? Anyway, um, but so even for my mom, it reminded my mom 50 years later or whatever, of that childhood, that period. So it was like even time travel for those who lived it. So it was a double win. Whereas we all remember Diana and Charles, and we also remember it much better than even those who lived a young Elizabeth and Philip, because there wasn't 24-7 media. There wasn't the round-the-clock 1980-style tabloid drive pushing the imagery and the photos and the rolling news. So so how can they compete? They have to kind of take a flight of fantasy to stop it just being like a sort of 1980s rehash of the news, don't they? I think you're right. I think they should have stopped earlier. And there was so much that they could have gotten into with Wallace and Edward. You know, take us back, show us Wallace and Edward and how that all unraveled. But it's almost like it felt cheap going into the Charles and Diana drama. Don't you also think, Kinsey, that we are complicit in the guilt I definitely remember when Diana died, I was in my early 20s. I just moved to London and I felt like I was complicit that I had also bought the papers, consumed in an addictive way, any narrative that anyone served me about Diana, the kind of icon of our times. I was asked um, recently for one of our anniversaries by a tabloid paper in Britain to write my thoughts about our feelings as a nation. I think it was 30 years on. And in it, I write about this collective guilt. And of course, the newspaper cut it out because they knew that much more than me being guilty, they were guilty. They were paying the pats. They were chasing her down. Now, whether that was what caused the death or not, we all know that it compounded the the lived reality of the children she left behind. The click, 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 the flash, flash, flash. And we know it made her unhappy and we know it made their relationship near impossible. So I think there was also a big wedge of guilt about not just our press, but the fact that we sustain the press. It is our monstrous appetite for gossip, for unhappiness. Look how when they were properly at war, the Sussexes and the Windsors, how much were we talking about? them? Mm. You know, they were literally the, the, the Middle East of families, forgive the clumsy metaphor, but it was ridiculous. It was because we just needed more and more of effectively their dysfunction and unhappiness, Kinsey. Why do you think, uh, I'll just say, um, I specifically feel like Prince William deals with the paparazzi, deals with the media better than Prince Harry. And this is this, you know, similar to what you were saying with the crown, because Prince William actually lived it and experienced it in a way that Harry didn't because his mother confided in him so deeply. I feel like Prince Harry was so young, did not have, you know, I don't think that Princess Diana felt like Harry was mature enough yet to to have that kind of, um, you know, just heaviness on his shoulders, the the kind of heaviness she put on Prince William. And I, I think that Prince Harry was a bit oblivious just because of his youth, just because he wasn't home. Is that why he handles the media 
um, in a not so stoic way. Um, and, and I shouldn't even use the word stoic because we saw Prince William come after the media after the Martin Bashir investigation. He hit. Mm-hmm. So is that maybe why Prince Harry doesn't deal with the, the photographers the same way that Prince William does? Let's just pick up on that. I want to run with that thought. So both men were flanking their wives. They were kind of the support acts to their wives on World Mental Health Day a couple of days ago. Um, both sides of the Atlantic, one set in Birmingham, one set in a toilet paper roll in New York. And I was, <laughs> by the way, so, so it's balanced. Uh, Kate was wearing yellow and black. And I, I never really think, I think yellow and black is for bumblebees. That's just my feeling on that. But anyway, in case you didn't notice what Kate was wearing, it was a yellow, a canary yellow blazer with black underneath. And you can say, what is Tessa doing? Talking about what people are wearing at this big international time of crisis. I will have you know, everyone was talking about Wallace Simpson's dress in the middle of the Spanish Civil War when the Nazis were on the rise. Yes. It was a Salvador oyster, very sexy, pointing right at her fanny. (laughs) On the dress, by the way, just saying, that's where the oyster was. It was painted on. They were her engagement. Yes, I know. You do forget the toilet rolls. We're going with a a, a fish's tail pointing at, well, pointing at a twice divorced woman's private part. Anyway, moving swiftly back to where the boys were in their mental health, I was really struck. There they were, thousands of miles apart, supporting their wives with this mental health campaign, talking eloquently about mental health. And somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic is this giant elephant, which is their own pain and dysfunction around their own relationship. And I used to think, how can you talk about mental health in the way they used to with heads together when you're you're, you're clearly not in a sorted space yourselves? And then I've come to the the feeling or the realisation that perhaps they're happier apart. Perhaps that is actually better for their respective mental health to be apart because there are some things that will never go away. Picking up on your point, one is Harry, I think, probably has underlying resentment about the fact his brother literally got three more years of his mother. How hugely significant is that? Yes. It's a massive deal. Those formative years when you transition from child to adolescent, the shaping you get, especially from a mother like Diana, and it was chopped down before Harry could hold on to it. So yeah, he has a much more fantastic idea of his mother. It doesn't have the the real basis that his brother has. Damn him, must Harry think. Mm, that's really, yeah. No, I've, I've never even thought about that, that he might be resentful that that William had a, a few more years with his mom. Um, but and, and they were, we know that they were close. I mean, to the point where some people have accused Diana of almost emotional abuse, putting too much on William's shoulders, telling him too much, involving him in too many secrets. Um, but I, I have wondered in the past, just watching the way they navigate, if Prince William had consumed that information and it had digested enough for him to be able to manage expectations better, or maybe that's just him being whipped into shape as the air. And he knows that there are different you know, expectations for him. Maybe a little bit, but also don't you think that by the time you're, was he 15, William, when Diana died? The focus has been so much on Harry and Harry's age. I think he was about 15, 14, 15. By that stage, and I know because I've got a teenage daughter who is literally turning 15 this month, they fall out of love with their parents. It's not... It's not that you don't still love your parents, but you see all their flaws in in a magnificent kaleidoscope of colours. 
So going from Harry's pre-adolescent age when it's hero worship for mummy and daddy, by the time you get to William's age three or four years later, you're like, oh, God, you're a pain, mum. Oh, will you shut up? And actually, that kind of helps. When you move forward, you think you, you take forward an idea of your mother that you love, but that she's a rounded and flawed human being like all of us are. But Harry never got there. He still has perfect mom in his head because perfect mom died when he was just a, a prep school boy, a kiddie. And that is much, much harder to try and come to terms with losing something perfect. But it does not. But you do don't fully. It doesn't do Diana any favors in the, you know, in, in when it comes to Harry sitting down, I mean, revealing too much, opening himself up too much, because as you know, I love Diana, but when Harry sits there and talks about the perfect mom, then you have everybody saying that woman called somebody like a hundred times in one night. You know, it starts to bring up all of these salacious details of Diana's life because now people have to school you. They have receipts and they're going to tell you that your mom wasn't perfect. So I completely agree with you, but I don't think it's done Harry or the, the memory of Diana most recently any, I mean, along with the crown, because the crown doesn't necessarily paint a very flattering portrait of her either. Um, but when you have these unrealistic ideas and you communicate them, now you have people coming out going, actually, we, you know, your mom had a, had a, you know, was having an affair with this person and she had an affair with this person and this person was rumored to be your father. And now it's dredging up all of this really toxic you know, tabloid, just drama. All right, Kinsey, I've got a, for some reason, my ba my battery, it says my battery's dying when my computer's actually plugged in. So before <laughs> I address this compliment, yeah, it's the wall. So it's fine now for some reason. Can you cut that bit out? We can cut that bit out, can't we? We, we can. I I was this is us. This is real. This is me at like 6 a.m. This is you looking amazing with okay. your things. This is us just figuring it out. And I love it. I think it raw is good. Okay. I will plug my computer in in future, guys. I was like listening to Kinsey thinking, am I going to lose up? And I think, yeah, Harry will carry that ghost of his mother in a very different way. But just also to go to the William, the trappings of William. And I was watching him. He was on. The other, the other thing is he's got that kind of dad vibe now. He's so oh, yeah. dad. Okay. Harry is still kind of pushing against it. You know, I don't know if he's got the hair transplant going on yet, Harry, but there's something going down with Harry where he's going to try and hold on to the Peter Pan youth, isn't he? So I'm wishing him luck with that because I think a lot of people who chase youth end up looking quite weird. But William's embraced. You know, we heard this week that, you know, Kate calls him baldy. And sometimes it's a joke and he's prone to sweating when he eats curry. I think I could have done without finding that out, by the way. Anyway, a sweaty William. I mean, so well, she that, tries to keep her. Prince Andrew and William, I don't need to know about their perspiration. If I could just like, here's a here's a little tip, guys. I'd rather not know. Like either one of you. <laughs> anyway, so we have this kind of sweaty, baldy dad. And he's doing these interviews on Radio 1 here in Britain, which is the kind of the youth channel. Yeah. And this is this where and he's it, eggplant was his favorite emoji. Yeah, aubergine. I think it was on the same day. I think that might have been on a slightly different program, but it was all okay. kind of part of the same mental health, hanging out with the kids package. Yeah. Um, so it's the sexy emoji. Why is an aubergine sexy? Is, uh, is that something X-rated? It's supposed to it's be a, a little caffeine, yeah. I mean, it, odd I don't I don't know why, why. Like, why would you admit that unless he's unless it's in like an insult kind of way? Like, what a 
you know, like, why are you using that so often? <laughs> it's quite weird. I didn't, doesn't, doesn't, for me, it doesn't resemble a penis. But anyway, maybe, I don't know if we can say that on YouTube, Pan, they're very strict about words. Anyway, it doesn't, William's appendage, I didn't, it didn't read that to me. But um, there he is having his moment. And there is, because he's so slightly awkward looking, trying to be down with the kids, you sort of do feel a weird warmth for him because you know it's he's finding it challenging but he's going there anyways outside his comfort zone he'd probably be rather in a ceremonial outfit doing his shtick you know where he's got something written down that he needs to say and he can get, fall back on his military service because guess what he served too but instead he's having to sort of josh with kate who's i think probably a bit better than he is at the joshing these days but you're right in the end he's got a little casing around him and it's called becoming king it's called crown prince and it means that no matter how many times he drops the ball or refers to aubergines or looks uncomfortable or has perspiration on his bald head he's kind of made it anyway he's got this built-in advantage kinsey which is probably why harry had to break free he had to break free if anybody would like to follow us on YouTube, we are uh, The Edge of Royalty with Kinsey and Dr. Tessa. I'm going to link everything on todiefordaily.com so that everybody can follow our YouTube channel. Uh, we will let you know on social media when we go live. But for right now, go ahead and follow us on YouTube so you can get regular updates. Um, but look forward to more of this because we love each other and we want to talk on a regular basis. We're going to have a war, war king, the king of Israel update. We're also going to have Prince Andrew in the house. We're going to have whether Fergie's going to crack America. We'll have more on plastic surgery. I'm going to look into, oh, by the way, Kate's workout routine. You know, I got a call from a British magazine asking me about Kate's workout routine. I said, do you know, I would love to have Kate's workout routine. So I will try and find that out for you. Anyway, um, and yeah, so that's what's next. And you click here. Do we go here or do we go here? Here, here. I'll, I'll to try subscribe. to make buttons everywhere so that they have to, one of, one of those. Buttons. Okay, bye guys. <laughs>